Welcome back to Ferris Gone, episode 43. On deck for you guys today, we are talking about the standings and all the stat leaders, including a chase for hitting 400 with Charlie Blackman. After that, we give you our power rankings and what we think the top 10 teams are in Major League Baseball right now. After that, we're recapping some of the more COVID-19 incidents that happened in the past week that include the Cardinals finally getting back to play and the Indians, and in particular, Mike Clevenger and Zach Plesac kind of screwing things up for everyone. Then we're going to get into the Alex Centron Ramon Laureano situation that has just been an absolute dumpster fire. And then we're going to wrap up this episode with our three stars. It's going to be a jam-packed episode. Make sure you stay tuned. Welcome back to Ferret's Gone. Another hectic week in baseball. <laughs> a lot of ups, a lot of downs. Uh, we'll get into some of that later on the pod. Just recapping the standings right now. On top of the NL East, the Braves and Marlins are tied. In the Central, the Cubs are up three and a half on the Brewers and the Cardinals. And, I mean, the Cardinals have only played eight games as of now. Over in the National League West, the Dodgers are up two games on the Rockies. In the AL, the East, the Yankees are up two on the Rays. In the Central, the Twins are up one on the Indians. And in the West, the A's are up four and a half on the Astros. Um, I mean, I think the biggest for, surprise for me is the Rockies right now. Um, yeah. They've kind of come out of nowhere. I mean, we said it last pod. We said it probably 87 times in the prolonged offseason that if the Rockies could pitch, they could do it. Uh, I don't think I ever even talked myself into that. But, hey, they're proving me wrong today. I can say that much. Yeah. Yeah. It'd definitely be a surprise, more so for me and I think for y'all, because you both were saying that if they had the pitching, they could make some noise. Um, I was not really a believer, but I've come around on a little bit. I'm still a little skeptical on their pitching, and I'm not sure if they'll be able to keep up this pace, but yeah, they, they've been solid. Aaron Nunn's not even hitting that well. It's been basically all Jolly Blackman and the rest of a pretty average lineup. But yeah, they've, they've been solid. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I know, like Gabe said, I'm definitely a bigger believer in the Rockies than... Gabe was for sure. I think Justin and I were probably around the same level, but I'm not convinced that their staff can keep it up. But the just roller coaster that their pitching staff has been in the last three years great 2018, really, really bad 2019. And then so far in 2020, in a short sample, they've been really good. And uh, they let Jake McGee go, and he's got a zero ERA right now for the Dodgers in like eight innings. That's just wonderful. But, I mean... That's how the Dodgers roll. Yeah, I mean, they, yeah. Freeland's kind of bounced back to, I wouldn't say Cy Young form, but he's been extremely good as he was Cy Young form two years ago. Um, Armand Marquez has kind of took form. John Gray's figured it out a little bit. But their bullpen, I think, has been the most impressive thing. It's been a lot of no-name guys that include Daniel Bard, Estevez. Um, I mean, if y'all know more off the top of your head, by all means, say them, because I don't. Oh, I got the roster pulled up right now. I couldn't tell you. Is Greg Holland still there? I don't nope. think he is anymore. I think he's back in Kansas because City. Because they cut $70 million of pin arms uh, between Brian Shaw and Jake McGee. Justin, them two, <laughs> coming into this season. I'm I'm not a big believer in paying relievers a ton of money, unless you have, like, absolute top flight Roldis Chapman-type pitcher. Um, because relievers are so wonky. Like, one year they'll have a year rate like, five, and the next year they'll be a one. It's just – it's really hard to find a consistent bullpen arm. You know them when you see them. And Ryan knows David Robertson. I, I thought that was a decent sign by the Phillies, even though it hasn't worked out at all, of course. But yeah, it, well, but yeah. Been, but he general. hasn't even been ineffective. He just hasn't been on the mound. 
Yeah. Another guy like the Rockies we were talking about, Jeff Hoffman in eight innings has a one yeah. ERA, something like that. Like it's just a lot of no name guys. I've never even heard of half of them. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think that's where they're making their bread and bu- bread and butter. But yeah, when you got Blackman and Story and Arenado and then you, you have a lot of good plug and play pieces. I mean, but when you have three guys that you can basically hang your two, three, four hitters on, you're you're gonna hit the ball well. Whoa, my mind just got blown. I did not know they had Matt Kemp. Yeah. What is he yep. doing? <laughs> Collecting the Patriots. Playing base. Solid. Playing good base. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, I'd say the other surprising thing for me, if I had to pick two, it'd be the it it would be the Rockies, and then the other one would be the Cubs playing so well this season. Um, the exact same story. I mean, we don't have to beat the dead horse. If they could pitch, they're gonna win ball games. And you Darvish is starting to look more like the Texas you Darvish of years past than kind of the ones we've seen in the last couple of years where his stuff is filthy. He's throwing 74 different pitches at guys, and you're really not sure how anyone's even making contact with him. You Darvish is a guy to me. He That's confused me for so long. If you have so many pitches, good pitches, they're not just like, I have five or six, seven different pitches. They're, at least three or four of them are good, really good pitches. It blows my mind that he couldn't be more effective the last few years. I haven't watched him pitch all that much, so location maybe might have been a problem. He tipped his pitches in game, I believe it was five of the 2017 World Series. He had a terrible World Series performance. Still got paid in the offseason, and he was bad all of 2018. And I think last year in the second half, he really his control was just off. And I don't know if it was something in his head or maybe kind of – Fell off a little bit, but ever since the second half of last year, he's been kind of back to the Texas Rangers, you Darvish, that he was before. Maybe, like, if he was tipping pitches, like, you have to adjust your mechanics. Like, that's tough. I can imagine that's really tough to have to be like, okay, I have to change the arm slot I throw this pitch from. And now that pitch's movement perhaps gets affected or location, and then you're all messed up. So it takes some time, perhaps, to fix that. So maybe that, you're right. Might be right, Ryan. That could be a thing. Yeah, and. Yeah, because. The Cubs are kind of doing this. Without Chris Bryant as well, yeah. he's played very poorly so far this season. Um, I'm not surprised, but I mean, I like Chris Bryant. He's got a lot of potential, um, but it's been a downhill slope since 2016, and he doesn't look like he's getting any better. And I'm not going to sit here and rag on the guy too long because I want to focus more on the positives. But it's tough to watch right now for him. Yeah. He, he's another one of those guys. I feel like there's a lot of guys you could say this about, but definitely Chris Bryant. Baseball is just more fun when he's crushing. Like, fun guy to watch. His follow-through is just beautiful and sucks to see him, a guy that's still in his prime. I think he's, what, 27, 28? 28. I mean, he's right in his prime years right now, and he's four years removed from his best season. And I feel like he has right now – had the career trajectory that we thought Harper was going to have two years after Harper's 2015 season. And Harper has turned it around, I think. And Bryant's just kind of kept falling. Yeah. Speaking of guys who aren't playing very well for the Cubs, how about Javier Baez with a 63 OPS plus at the moment? Ouch. 60-game season can be tough. But, do you think they're pressing? I, I want to ask you that, Gabe. Do you think they're pressing at the point too much? They, do they think they're in their head thinking, I have to do more now because there's less of a season? I haven't watched the Cubs too closely, but if you're talking about stars of a team like that who are expected to yeah. perform, yeah, 
But you know what's a good thing, what I think is going to help them out, and why I think you're going to see a bump up in performance by both Bryant and Baez, is they're 13-8, and eight, and they have done absolutely nothing. I hope that's that, that's a very um, reassuring thing mentally when you're like, wow, I'm not doing anything, and, my, and the guys around me are still picking us up, and we're in a playoff position right now, and we haven't done a thing. So if they pick that up, yeah, the easy playoff team. Not even a question. The big Cubs haven't surprised me as much. I know I was a lot higher on them than both of you. I was a yeah. believer in their pitching staff bouncing back. And even though Baez and Bryant haven't produced, they've gotten a lot of production elsewhere. But I'm really surprised in the Orioles offense this season and mm-hmm. pitching staff to an extent. But you could have convinced me that along with maybe the Giants – I think you could have made a fair argument going into the year that the Orioles had the worst offense in baseball and they've been pretty darn good so far, especially considering the guys that they're throwing out on the lineup card every night. That's most runs per game at the moment, third highest OPS. Now that's not going to keep up, but they're definitely better than we thought when they were no doubt about it. Absolutely. At least, at least average. Yeah, no Baltimore has been fun to watch all year long. Not for me. <laughs> they just swept the Phillies out. <laughs> Yeah, I think they swept the Rays earlier at the beginning of the year, like third series of the year. They took two out of three from Boston in the op- opening weekend. Mm-hmm. They've been really good. Do you think? I mean, they're gonna they're gonna decline a little bit, just regression. They don't have the yeah. talent level to maintain that pace. But sixty game season, they started hot. If they can, hey, even if they only cool down a little bit, expanded playoffs. We're already a third of the way into the season. Are, they, are the Orioles gonna be that bad team to make I hope it? So. I hope so. I hope, Boston's yeah. been terrible. If Boston keeps playing like they do, that's three wins. We were probably talking about at the beginning of the year, I'm sure there were people saying, well, Boston might be able to make the expanded playoffs because they'll have free games against the Orioles. But now it, <laughs> the Orioles might make it because they've got free games against the Red Sox. Dude, Boston has been a train wreck. They're giving up 10 yeah. runs a night every night. Yeah, there's bad pitching. And then there's the Phillies bullpen. And- then there's the Red Sox whole staff. Yeah, it's, it's tough scenes. It's tough scenes. Uh, you know what one team I don't feel talking bad about, though? The Houston Astros. I, bet, oh, I yeah, don't. Yeah. like. I try to keep some things positive. Ah. You know, more positive on a player note, but nothing makes me smile more than watching Jose Altuve hit under 200 and watching George Springer hit under 200 and seeing Bregman and all of them just struggle at the plate. They're four and a half back of the A's. I, I find very much joy in that. Yeah. Bit, mm-hmm. so. Heard that one. Yeah. If funny, I, Jose, I thought y'all were supposed to go on a revenge tour this year. How's that working out for you? Here's the thing. I, 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 the, whole, the whole world was doubting you, and you're crumbling. I said this before the season, and this has definitely been the case. You've seen it. Every team, every single night, is going to give their absolute best to beat you. And yep. So, yeah, you might have that little villain streak, which can be a good thing, by the way. But – I don't think that outweighs the fact that every team is going to do their absolute damnedest to beat you every single night. No exceptions. And you've seen that. And Altuve batting under 200. Yikes. I did not know that. Springer's down. Altuve's under 200. Correa's, Correa and Jordan Jess got back. He's, I think, hit pretty well in the three or so games he's been back. Correa's played well. But outside of those two, they've not hit well at all. I still I still think they're going to be in the playoffs. They're 11-10, even with yeah, all that. With expanded playoffs, I, I mean, they're, as much as I want to rag on Springer and Altuve and Bregman, they're, they're still really good players, and mm-hmm. they'll turn their ground. I think, especially with expanded playoffs, they've just got too much talent to not make it. But they're going to have to split it out, I think. 
It's going to be I closer think, than they wanted to be. I think if once they get to the playoffs, I think they'll be okay because once you're in the playoffs, everyone's going to give their best every single night anyway. So that's not as big of a deal in my opinion, but they got to get there. Although and, having yeah. Verlander and Ozuna out hurts them a lot. True. Yeah, absolutely. Um, any last notes on the standings that you guys want to give? Uh, there's a couple notes. Oh, so couple. I have two teams I want to highlight, both in the AL. Um, how about the LA Angels, seven and fifteen? Ouch! Ouch! They Trout has been Trout better than normal Trout, which is saying something. Rendon's been good. Fletcher's been solid. Um, Dylan Bundy's been a good pitcher for them, but beyond that, ouch! It's been awful. Yeah, Angels fans held. The- hung their hat on Shohei Otani being a Cy Young candidate again and kind of carrying that rotation. and He's gotten hurt again. Um, while Dylan Bundy stepped up, there's not but so much you can rely on when it's uh, Teheran and basically a group of not proven pitchers or guys who may have, have a little experience in service time, but they're usually five-hole guys. Um, it, it, you can't score but so many runs. Trout can hit four grand slams a game. He might be able to hit one a game, but he can't hit four. It's I would, it's it's actually really interesting to me the uh, comparison between the Rockies and the Angels, both West teams, both have arguably a top five. I mean, Trout's number one, but a top five player in baseball, another elite player in Trevor Story and uh, Anthony Rendon, and then a couple <laughs> role guys that can really perform: Charlie Blackman, Daniel Murphy, uh, Justin Upton when he's on. David Fletcher, Angelton Simmons, guys like that. And then it's kind of a bunch of question marks. And in the rotation, too, got some talent. Herman Marquez, uh, Shohei Otani, and then a bunch of question marks. And the Rockies have all the way around picked it up, and the Angels have fallen flat on their face, and they've gone opposite directions right now despite kind of having similar outlooks to start the year. I love that comparison, actually. Um, looking at their like stats and the roster, they're going to bounce back, and their expected wins loss right now is like, 10 and 12 and in short season that's really bad luck but it's our in my opinion if you start 7 to 15 in 22 games it's already too late that they've already missed a chance in my opinion they would have to be way way better than they actually are to make the playoffs it's just not happening so yeah another wasted year of trout good job angels it definitely took you a third of the season when you continually throw out triple a arms in your rotation to start the year you're setting yourself up for failure and any other thoughts on the Angels? There's one other team. I, I understand that they're hung up with the full holes contract right now, and I believe they're also paying Josh Hamilton. I can't remember if they are or not, whether it's them or Texas. Um, I understand that they're a little tight struck for money, but you have a generational talent and arguably the greatest player of all time currently on your roster. And, yeah, you added Rendon, but outside of that, I can't remember one decent signing the Angels have really had that's panned out. Like, yeah, Otani, but yeah, I'm not going to say he's panned out yet. Um, he hasn't panned out for that Exactly. Contract. Rendon is there, and that's obviously a one-year thing, but what pitchers have they added? Like, I can think of two to three pitchers the Angels have run out in the last five years, and two of them is because they died between Skaggs and Tommy Hansen. That's the only reason I can really remember two two guys out, and Julio Tehran, and that's just because he's a brave. Like, for the casual fan, oh, I man. cannot tell you a single Angel starter in the last five years that I really knew. Are they? they and I know definitely, that, like you said, Justin, the Pulhos contract and the Hamilton contract definitely hampers them. 
But if you are going to shell out $430 million for Mike Trout and however the heck much they signed Anthony Rendon for, wasn't it? Was was it over 300 or was it just south, just of, south of it? What? Just south. Just south. You're going to hand out over $600 million in contracts to two players. You have got to commit to spending to fill out the rest of your team or doing whatever it takes to fill that out. I understand. You know what? If you decide that you can't commit to the money to make a quality team around Trout, then as hard as it is, trade him because he's wasting away. If you, I, I honestly don't know why he resigned there. I know I'm sure he likes LA. I'm sure he feels really beloved. But Trout's a guy that would be instantly welcomed anywhere, and I find it really hard to believe that there's not another team that would have shelled out that deal to get him. Can we go off topic for just a minute? You bring up an interesting point, Ryan. Just like philosophy of a GM for a second. So you mentioned like potentially trading Mike Trout. And you would immediately get a response from, I'd say, 75 to 80% of fans, especially Angels fans. Like, no, never trade Trout, ever. But you think about it, like, why not? If you're spinning your – the ultimate goal, if the ultimate goal here is to win a World Series, we have to first agree that that is the ultimate goal. I don't think it's in your best interest to keep Trout if you're just going to spin your wheels like this over and over again. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. It, from from a cut-and-dry standpoint, I completely agree. It just doesn't make sense. The only problem is just the optics of trading a generational right. player. That would be like if Cleveland had traded LeBron instead of right. Um, right. him yeah. leaving. It, the optics are terrible. Yeah, cut-and-dry, it works. If I'm sitting in a MLB The Show franchise, yeah, I'll probably flip and Trout for a bunch of guys, but in real life, I don't think you are going to make it out of L.A. If you do that, I think you'll be killed. Um, it's going to be very – if you're not – you're going to be fired and then killed. Uh, that's about as simple as that. It, it's a terrible look. It's something that I don't think you can actually do. <laughs> um, but, yeah, cut and dry on paper, yeah. it would be smart. That's yeah, something that, just from a purely logical yeah. point of view, like oh, objective. I, I completely yeah. agree. I, I hear you saying. You're definitely right. But that's that's yeah. something where, at least the way I see it, the only way they can actually trade Trout in at any point, uh, not anymore now that he signed that massive extension, but before right. that, is if he had said, I'm, I'm out, I'm leaving a free agency, and they flip him either before his last year or, or at the deadline in his last year. Basically, yeah. what if he would have pulled a bet? That's the only yeah, way you could have done. Yep, I agree. Man, we, last point in the Angels, we used to talk about the Rockies being the pitching graveyard. Now, uh, sounds awful, but both figuratively and literally, it kind of has been for the Angels. Remember Nick Aidenhart a few years ago? That was heartbreaking. First major, major League debut, pitched really well, and it was like two days later, he was gone. They, so sad. I really feel for the Angels fans that they've gone through the last couple of years. At least they have Trout to look to. But, yeah, on a slightly different note, last team I wanted to highlight, the most intriguing team in baseball at the moment, the Cleveland Indians. And I'm sure we're going to get into the whole shebang, what's been going on with them later, so I'm not going to talk about that right now. But um, they have the second lowest – what is this? Look at numbers here. The lowest batting average in the league, second lowest OPS, second lowest OPS plus, the second lowest runs scored per game, and yet they're 13-8. That is how good their pitching has been. They have been unreal. 2.82 runs allowed per game. Just- Renchak, dude, out of the bullpen. He's got disgusting stuff. He's going to be a stud. Yeah. Like, this really weird team. 
team to keep your eyes on. I think they actually, with how bad their offense has been, if their pitching staff can do anything close to what they're doing right now, even without Clevenger and uh, Plesak, yeah. I think they're a playoff team. Absolutely. So, yeah. They've got more talent in that lineup to be that low in offensive rankings. Yeah, yeah Lindor struggled to start out the year. Um, he's he's really struggled. Uh, and, yeah, no, y'all, y'all hit hey, on the head. How about J-Ram, though? J-Ram's hit well. Yeah, six, small sample mm-hmm. size. Yeah. J-Ram, Fran Mill have both been good. Fran Mill Reyes, by the way, um, good for him. I was kind of – I was really hoping he'd turn, turn around. He's been good so far this year. Uh, you know, I saw Freeman. He took one off the hand the other day. He was not happy. Uh, he was not happy about it. They got who did they get him for? Padres. Oh, it was uh, a Padres trade. They got him from the Padres, but for who? Did he come over with Brad Hand? It was a three-team trade. I know that for a fact. Freeman was the Padres. And I don't remember. But I don't remember them giving up much. They didn't for give him. up anything. He's kind of pretty darn good. They, they basically didn't go at least, for, at least for what they gave up, they definitely won that deal. So far, Padre- yeah. No doubt about it. Oh, man. Padres trade Framo Reyes and Logan Allen for Taylor Trammell. So I guess we'll see. Because Taylor Trammell is a pretty touted prospect right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So that He was with the Reds. Was that the Bauer deal? Yes. That was the Bauer deal, yes. right? Yes. Yes, yes, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Um, that's going to wrap us up here on standings. Let's move over to stat leaders. Um, I'm going to say stat leader batting average because I feel like we're going to have a have a good lengthy talk on that one. But right now, the league leader in OPS is Jesse, Jesse Winker with a 1,196 OPS. Um, home runs, Tatis, Trout, and Judge are all tied at 9. RBIs, Black and Santander are tied at 22. On the pitching side, Lance Lynn has a 1-1-1. Uh, Beaver's leading the league in strikeouts with 54. Brennan's leading the league in saves at 8. Beaver, Cole, Dobnek, and Sonny Gray lead the league in wins with 4. Um, Tatis has exploded the past two weeks. That dude has went from, wow, he's going to be really good, to, wow, he is really good. Uh, w- without a question about it, either. Yeah, he's got the ceiling to be... I think easily the best shortstop in baseball. No disrespect to Lindor or Trevor Story, but I, I mean, if he if he improves his defense even a little bit, the way he hits the ball, it, I was skeptical last year because I didn't think his numbers were sustainable. But he's done it again this year to start. And I just saw like, wow! I just saw something that blew my mind. Uh, he played in just over half the season last year, and his WAR was four point this is just offensive war, not defensive, yeah. which is about zero. But offensive war, four point five yeah. in half a season. He was ridiculous last year. That if he keeps that pace up, that is we're talking MVP as yeah. a rookie. Yeah. And he's doing it again. He's that good. Yeah. I didn't that's know his if he'd be able to maintain it, but I mean small sample again this year, but he's been ridiculous. He might find his way into top five conversation in baseball fairly quickly here if he continues to play like this. Absolutely. Probably wouldn't be able to for me until after until middle of next year or so. But yeah, I know you Oh, I mean, yeah, he's yeah. gotta obviously continue at the pace he's at, but he is ridiculous. Him and Soto, man. Base of baseball. I love it. I personally love it. I love I love yeah, seeing say, guys I, like that. Oh I yeah. Gotta he, say, I'm 
if I had to pick between Soto and Tatis right now, I'm probably taking, I'm taking Tatis. Tatis. He's a shortstop. Yeah. Yeah, she's uh, position. Yeah, I yep. mean, between the two, I'm definitely taking but Tatis. But that, that's, that's like but, picking yeah. between two really good things. I'm not, I can't think of. That's like picking oh, between yeah. two supercars. Like, I, you're not going to go wrong either way. They're both amazing. Well, you want a Ferrari? Or yeah, like exactly. It just comes out of personal preference. They're both insane. Soto's had an insane uh, couple weeks since he got back from COVID as well. Um, but I'm on the pitching side, we're, or on the on the baseball hitting side, good heavens, we're talking about, you know, younger guys, Judge, Tatis. Um, meanwhile, on the pitching side, we're talking about Lance Lynn with a 1-1-1. Um, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say I was – I was calling Lance Lynn to be some Cy Young candidate pitcher, but I would definitely was kind of more, more on his side. Um, he was good in St. Louis for a few years, but he was kind of like second or third fickle, and now we're talking Cy Young for the second straight year. What is, okay, I have not really – I actually have not watched him pitch whatsoever since he was with the Cardinals. Have y'all seen him? What is he doing different? I don't know because he got traded to New York for half a season from St. Louis, and he was – Awful. Yeah, like we were when we were t- watching him with the Cardinals, like he, he was never this, not he never not this. Yeah, it was like ninety-two mile fastball, nothing special. It's like a standard four starter. You know, you know, if I, I take a guess, and I, I'm not gonna sit here and act like I watch Texas Ranger baseball games, but I, I've seen him throw a couple innings this year when I've been flipping through MOB TV. And I just think he learned to pitch. I think he stopped trying to be the guy that was overpowering guys with ninety-four. Uh, throwing sliders that didn't even come close to the zone, but instead learn how to spot balls, learn how to tunnel, and just learn how to pitch. That's the best way you can put it. I mean, we've all known guys like that who just, they don't, they used to have the stuff, and they never adapt to not having the stuff. And Lance Lynn's just adapted extremely well. I think, I think that comes along with having, having a guy like Mike Miner last year, I think both of them collaborated really well on that, because they're both the same kind of pitchers where the stuff's kind of deteriorating, but you still can pitch to a high level. And then while Corey Kluber may not be playing, he probably helped even more as coming to Texas this year. And now Lance Lynn's turned himself into a, a true number one and a guy we're talking award season. Yeah, insane. Yeah. I'm on fan graphs looking at his stuff right now. This is too complicated to talk about. But Meanwhile, on the flip side of Lance Lynn, we have a guy with Shane Bieber who's striking out every single batter who steps up to the plate. You know, I I didn't I, buy the hype. I'm gonna lost words with Bieber almost because it, I haven't watched him pitch, but he doesn't throw that hard. I mean, he sits 90, 92, 94, 95, maybe. He's not one of those guys that's gonna go up there like Syndergaard and pump it 99, 100 every pitch. But man, he is just yeah striking out guys left and right, and his. We talked about it earlier, but his first two starts were ridiculous, and he has just continued that pace. You know, in the offseason, we all heard a lot about Bieber. We heard a lot of people talking about he, how he could be more or less Corey Kluber's replacement, and I definitely did not buy that hype. I knew Bieber was good, especially after his all-star game performance and his second-half performance, but I wasn't expecting him to kind of burst on the scene like this. Wow. Mm-hmm. just uh, wow. It's, it's almost like Corey Kluber never left. Yeah, that's that's how it's seeming right now. Corey Quiver from three years ago. Double digit K's in five games for uh, Bieber. Um, Every start, he's given up five hits or less. What's kind of crazy to me with Bieber is that he wasn't a highly touted prospect. 
He wasn't a guy like Casey Mize or Nate Pearson or uh, Michael Kopech that was sitting at the top of these uh, prospect rankings, as far as I remember. He, he just kind of got called up. They needed some arms, pitched pretty well, grabbed a spot in the rotation, and then he's completely flipped a switch. Similar to Aaron Nola in that regard. Yeah, a little bit, except Nola was like a top three pick, right? Mm-hmm. I think it was in the what round was he? I'm almost positive Nola was Oh, he was first round. round. Oh, third, third ball. Yeah. That's right, actually. How do you know that? How much do you study? Where did he go? Where did he go? Where did Nola go? I LSU. Yeah, I, I just remember everything. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really, I have no reason to know that other than I just heard it and I remember it. I feel on that one. Um, I, I say we just get to the big one now. Charlie Blackman, does he hit four hundred or does he not? Real quick, yes or no. I'm going to go yes, sure. I don't see why not. Sure. Why yeah, sure. Not? I'm going to go sure as well. Um, <laughs> it's been insane. The, the, you can take the Ted Williams comparison somewhere else, though. Don't get me started. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a 60-game sample. Who was, that, who was that that put that out there? Was that MLB that tweeted that or put it on Instagram? Something about uh, is it, Blackman can be the first player to hit 400 in a season since Ted Williams. Uh, I don't sure, count. but that's a little different. Just a tad bit, just, you know, needs to do it for 102 more games. Don't worry about it. 60 games versus 162, but okay. Yeah. The Ted Williams, it's not there, but it is truly impressive. Uh, Blackman was hitting, he started the season over 12, something like that, or and then he's wow. hit almost 500 yeah. since then. Yeah, that's what makes it even more impressive to me is that he dug himself out of that hole. in a And in a small sample, 0 for 12 is really going to skew your – batting average and for him i mean he's sitting what he's hit like 500 since then he's hitting 446 right now i mean that's the difference between hitting like 200 and 250 and so i mean it's a fairly significant sample there or the uh number of at bats that is dragging him down and to still be hit 446 if if he had that 0 for 12 stretch now i'd be more skeptical about hitting 500 but he's on the upswing hitting 500 Sorry, 400. (laughs) I mean, he's always been a good hitter, but I would say he's played second, if not third, fiddle in that Rockies lineup. Uh, Whether whether you want to play Story or him higher, it's it's personal opinion there. But for him to break out like this, I can't say it's unexpected because somebody was going to do it. Regardless, somebody was going to break out like this. Um, Charlie Blackman, looking back, probably would have been a really good choice. Just not to this extent yeah. at all. Well, we were talking last year about Cody Bellinger right about this time of the year, 22, 30 games in. He was valuing pretty much what uh, Blackman's right. running right now. Yeah. No, higher than 400. He hit over 400. And, uh, well, yeah, I guess we're not even a month mm-hmm. into the season yet. So, yeah, right. He was hitting over 400. I think he hit like 415 in April. So, let's bump the race a little bit, but if he's in the right ballpark, he does he's a good hitter. Yeah, Blackman doesn't have to go. I mean, say, I mean, they played a little less than a month, about three weeks, and but Blackman doesn't have another five in a week, five months in a week to go. He's got five here's, weeks. Here's a great, here's a good way to look at it. So even if he doesn't play every game, he would pretty much have to bat like 370, 375 down the stretch. That's still a very, very, very tall order. So. If you look at it that way, that sounds harder. You can do it. But you I'm can, sure. Chuck Nasty is here. Crazy. 
Chuck and Estes. He's here. hitting. I mean, he's hit almost 500 in what? How many? That stretch of abs after he went over 12, he's hit almost 500 in how many abs? And I think he can do 375 and slightly longer. Yeah. Okay. okay. I said he could. I said he was gonna do it because why not? Yeah. It'd be fun to see. I just I hope we don't get any Ted Williams comparisons when he does it. Uh, that's a this Ted Williams is rolling in his grave right now. Brother, brother MLB just compared Mike Ford to Babe Ruth in a photo. Uh, MLB's gonna compare anybody and everybody. Uh, but I mean, let's let's just get into our power rankings. We hit on the standings. We hit on the stats. Let's wrap it up with power rankings. Top ten. I'll just give you mine first. The number ten spot at the Houston Astros. They may be struggling right now, but it's it's more than what have you done for me lately. Um, coming at the 9th spot, I have the Cleveland Indians. Coming in the 8th spot, I have the Rockies. 7 Braves. 6 Twins. 5 Rays. 4 Cubs. 3 The Athletics. 2 spot the Yankees. And the best team in baseball right now is the Los Angeles Dodgers. What a shock. What a shock. I know. Yeah. I guess I'll roll through mine. I kind of kind of weighted mine about uh, 50% um, what they've done so far and about 50% how I kind of expect them to play in the second half of the season, the rest of the season. So at 10, I've got Colorado. At 9, I've got Houston. I, I almost wanted to put Colorado ahead of them, but I, I'm still skeptical on Colorado's pitching staff, and I think Houston's just got too much talent to continue playing the way they are. Uh, at 8, I've got Atlanta. Again, their pitching staff I'm skeptical about, especially with Soroka going down. Uh, 7, I've got the Rays. 6, I've got the Indians. Uh, 5, the Twins. Uh, four of the A's, three of the Cubs, uh, two of the Yankees, and then number one again, the Dodgers. They're just, I think, right now, head and shoulders above everybody else. All right. So you put the A's fourth round, which is interesting. I had them. I forget where I had them going, if I had them losing the playoffs, whatever. But uh, Dodgers number one, of course. They're like Alabama in college football. Everyone's going to pick their number one. Uh, but number two, I have the Athletics over the Yankees, and here's why. Um, they're 6-2 and two above versus teams above 500, fourth best team ERA, again, just like last year when someone said on this podcast that they had bad pitching, uh, third best FIP, seventh best OPS offensively, they're for real. They're they're a very, very good team. Um, so yeah, that, that's why they're number two. Although I will say it's very close to them, the Yankees, who are my third best team. And I've also been good despite injuries. Uh, four uh, twins. Story of my life. Sorry? I said story of my life. <laughs> Sorry about LeMahieu. Wait, LeMahieu oh, started yeah, too? Yeah, you see that? It got placed on the so. 10 day yesterday. Wait, yeah, I did see that thumb, right? Sorry, Ryan. It caused you more depression. Judge and Stanton. It's okay. Wow, it's just it's like okay. last year. We got here to save the day. Don't you worry. <laughs> He's still in the minor league. Actually, no. No, he just got called back up. Outfielder Miguel Andahar. <laughs> Is how they is how they phrased it. I will still. I need an explanation from Aaron Boone on why Miguel Andujar even has a glove in his hand. If he's not DHing, he should be pinch hitting exclusively. He's an outfielder now, so it's okay. Uh, did you watch him in the first game? No, of the season? didn't need to. First ball hit him. He completely misplayed it. A little leaguer could have made the play. It's like a ground ball at him, and he like stabbed at it, and it just went right past him. Love that. He's here to hit dongs. That's all he's good for. He can hit dongs at the alternate training site where he belongs. Ooh. Weren't you the one saying he was going to break out this year, Ryan? 
Yeah, and then we decided, and then I realized that Boone was. I still think he can hit, but we've shown that we're not going to play him at DH, which is the only spot in the lineup that he needs to be in. We've decided that we're going to DH Stanton, which now obviously won't happen. But as soon as we decided we were going to DH Stanton for the year, we just don't have a spot for him. He plays atrocious defense. I still think he can hit, but he plays atrocious defense. That's fair. But anyway, thanks to our Yankees uh, little sidetrack there. Back to the middle list. Um, I have the Twins fourth. Uh, let's try to see where y'all put them. Yeah, pretty similar to y'all. Um, I put the Braves fifth, and even though they're like only 11-10 right now, um, they're for real. I'm big believer in the Braves. They'll be, they'll be fine. Uh, the Rays number six, Cubs seven, Astros eight, uh, Rockies ninth, and the Indians ten. Um, you know what? Let me flip flop the Rockies and Indians. The Indians are better than the Rockies, and that's how I'll leave. You know, it. we all had the same ten teams. They could flip back and forth. I think that I think yeah. the team that cl- came closest to cracking my top ten was the Padres, um, and that's more recency bias than anything. I think on paper the Padres are good, but not top ten. Um, I think they came the closest. There's a clear top three right now, and that's Dodgers, mm-hmm. Athletics, Yankees, um, and the Cubs coming in at a very close fourth, at least for me. Um, I know Ryan, you had them top three, and I can. There's plenty of arguments for them to slip in there. Um, and then there's mm-hmm. kind of the next six. Um, it's very clear cut right now with the power rankings. Um, obviously, MOB.com wants to get phonetic-y with it and get fancy and put, like, I don't know, the the Padres at nine or something. I, that, art, that article I've... took years off my life. <laughs> I think the closest team to cracking for me, for me, there, I think there was a pretty, like, I would yeah. say it was kind of weird we picked the same ten teams, but it's, it's very clear what the top ten teams were. Yeah. Um, I think Washington is probably the closest to cracking for me, but really the top ten were pretty obvious to me. Yeah, Washington and San Diego for me. But Gabe, you were talking about uh, you thought I had the Cubs a bit high, and you can definitely make the argument uh, to put the A's ahead of the Cubs. And I touched on it a little bit before. I just I, – I know the A's have put up the pitching staff numbers, and at some point I'm just going to have to get over the fact that I don't think they have that much talent in the rotation and the bullpen because – they're putting up the numbers, but I, I still am skeptical of their rotation. And I, I was big on the Cubs going into the year. I thought they could bounce back. Uh, their bullpen's been a little iffy, but we touched on it earlier. They're 13-8 and eight without any production hardly from Bryant and Baez, two guys that have either won an MVP or been high in the MVP conversation. And I, once they get heated up, I, I really think that'll push the Cubs ahead of the A's, but I'm surprised you have them so low. Who the Cubs? Yeah. Because okay, their pitches on the same token as we say, if Brian Tobias pick it up, which I believe they will. Um, on the pitching staff, I think has been too good to sustain. I'm a believer in you, Darvish. I think he can keep that up, but the rest of the staff, John Lester, ERA 2.55. Eh. I mean, he's not going to sustain that. But he's not going to turn around and throw a five ERA the rest of the season either. I I'd be more of a believer in him having a five ERA the rest of the way than a two point five five. That's just me though. And, I don't know. Hey, I, hey, I'm with you, Ryan. It's hard for me to look at the Athletics numbers last year and this year and then look at the rotation and be like, no, 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 no. There's no. Those are two different teams. That's a blue right, right. Yeah. And, and no way I'm thinking that. And eventually, if the Athletics keep this up, I'm just going to have to get over the fact that the numbers don't lie as I always have to get over the fact of personal opinions. Um, I think both of y'all have valid points when it comes to pitching staffs. 
because I don't think John Lester's going to keep up with a two five five at all, and John Lester could could throw up a five ERA for us. On the flip side of that token, not a single piece of me thinks that the Athletics are going to continue being the best pitching staff in baseball. Or far the best. But here, here's my thing on that. So the Athletics, I think they're a top ten pitching team in baseball, no doubt in my mind. Now, playoff wise. That's a different story because they don't have those one, two, three guys that they can roll out there whenever they want to. And that's where they, that runs problems. But what they have is depth, and that really helps in the regular season when you know every single night you're going to have a chance to win the ball game, And that's huge in the regular season. Now, when you get to the playoffs, that's a different story. We'll talk about that when the time comes. But yeah. for me, regular season-wise, athletics are better than the Cubs, my opinion. I, I guess I – yeah, I'm just – I really like uh, – I think the – Cubs top four in their rotation, and actually Tyler Chatwood, he just landed on the DL I think today or yesterday, but he's been really good this year too. Yeah, five four ERA. Yeah. Huh? He has a five four ERA, but he's doing okay. Never mind. He, I think his first couple. He he had two good extremely good starts start up the year, and it's kind of gone downhill from there. Uh, okay. Yeah. And, okay. Yeah, and I haven't looked at it since then, so I Fair will enough. stand corrected. But um. Yeah, beyond him, their staff's been amazing. Like every single I, yeah, one. Of them. I I just I'm. I'm a believer in a top four of Kyle Hendricks, who's had some really good years in the past. You Darvish, who's got elite stuff. John Lester, who's I, I feel like John Lester is a guy that can turn into a little bit of a crafty lefty. And okay, same, with Quintana, same with Quintana to an extent. If those guys were righties throwing 92, 93, I'd be more skeptical. But there's something about lefty, older lefties that I feel like they just find a way to get it done. We're just going to see Josh forget in, like, five years. <laughs> the crafty lefty for the, I don't know. I guess it has to be the Dodgers, because the Dodgers are the only team that can turn guys like that into superstars. Yeah. But um, we see Josh forget the crafty lefty in five yeah, years. Yeah, ha- happy there's not too much discussed on power rankings. Top, top, as, you, as we stated, top ten was pretty cut and dry. Um, and, again, the big thing, global pandemic, COVID, there's obviously two big updates. Uh, the Cardinals have only played eight games this season. They did not play from July 29th until August 16th, which is at the time of this recording yesterday. Uh, they have ten doubleheaders scheduled for the rest of the season. Lord have mercy. Help the Cardinals. Their right. pitching is already so, stretched thin. Yeah, I don't know the circumstances around their COVID outbreak. If it was like a Marlins type where – we're pretty positive it came from them being stupid or if it was completely unintentional. But one thing that's not going to get talked about is how that's affecting the, the teams that they're going to have to play. I think they said the Cubs play them in like three or four of the doubleheaders. The Cubs are getting screwed pitching-wise, and that's due to no fault of their own. I believe the White Sox play at least two of them as well. Yeah. But yeah. I'm, I'm going to go out here. So I've, I've said this. I'm strong believer in this, that there should not be an asterisk beside any team wins a world championship in any season, even if it's only 60 games, and I still believe that. However, if – I don't want to call it an asterisk, asterisk, but if it, there's two or three teams that are completely screwed over – let's be real. Okay, Cardinals are a solid team. Do you think they're going to make the playoffs playing 10 doubleheaders and, like, no days off? Uh, no, they don't have pitching for that. No team has pitching for that except maybe the Dodgers, maybe. Yeah, probably the Dodgers. Probably the Dodgers. They'll probably pull up some double-A guy that'll <laughs> shove for, I don't know, I'm going to Young. But half their bullpen are, like, converted starters, too. But you see my point, though. Like, no, yeah. 
the Cardinals are screwed. If they do not extend the season, the Cardinals are straight up screwed. There is no conceivable way, in my opinion, that they can make the playoffs. Their hitting would have to be unbelievable. Man, I wish I was upset by that. Um, <laughs> how do you connect that back to the Astros? The Astros? The Astros. Same thing. You said it. Oh, Astros. So, okay, what I mean by that is now if you're another team who wins the World Championship this year, so in a normal season, you're better than like 29 teams, right? Now this season might be better than like 26, 27, however many. Got, kind of got screwed over by doubleheaders. I would say yes if they determined if there was no playoffs and they just crowned the best record at the end of the regular season, the champion. But at the end of the day, you're still, especially with expanded playoffs. Do you think the Cardinals are going to make the playoffs with yeah. 10 doubleheaders? No. They have to extend the season, man. They got to do it. Like by a week. Nah. Kick them out. Screw the Cardinals. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, Ryan. If it means Yadier Molina is retiring no, sooner, I... deal. I think you you reap what you sow a little bit. Again, I don't know if it was due to recklessness or if it was completely unintentional, but weird circumstances, we've been saying this the whole time, weird circumstances call for uh, weird solutions, and that's just the hand they're dealt. You got to play doubleheaders. The teams you play are also going to have to play those doubleheaders. I know they're obviously going to have a lot more, but I don't really know what you can do about it. Hey, that's a that's a lot of games to push back the season just for one team to have to finish. Right, now, well, if, it, if it was half the league that had the problem and had to, like, if that Marlins, Phillies, Yankees, Orioles postponement had spidered out and there were 10, 12 teams maybe that were missing a bunch of games, yeah, I think maybe then you look at postponement the season. already at least five to seven teams that are affected by this. Phillies... Um, to a lesser extent, Yankees and Orioles, but Marlins, uh, yeah, Cardinals. Yeah, but how many doubleheaders are the Marlins and uh, that four? Because there's really just those four, the Orioles, the Yankees, the Phillies, and the Marlins. Yeah, but there's, there's going to be more outbreaks. Let's be real. Oh, I, I, I know. I mean, we'll, I guess we'll have to cross that when we get there, but uh, if it stands that it's really it, that this is the end of it and it's the Cardinals looking at ten doubleheaders or extending the season just for them, I don't think you'd do it. Fair, fair enough. Um, and on the flip side of this, as, as we mentioned, we don't know if the Cardinals was reckless or not. I can tell you who was reckless. And it hurts It hurts as he's one as one of the culprits involved is one of my favorite players in the league right now. Uh, Mike Clevenger and Zach Plesek are two absolute bonehead idiots. Um, I don't think there's words strong enough to describe how stupid they are. They went are. out on the town in Chicago. Basically, Plesek was... Cle- I, was it that Clevenger came back early and Plesak came back later and Plesak got caught by security and somehow Clevenger didn't and that's why Plesak was basically the news broke as soon as it happened and he probably got sent on a nice Lincoln town and country all the way back home um, and then meanwhile Clevenger got sent back to Cleveland the next day um, for a 14 day quarantine minimum and we... After- Riding the plane with yeah. the team, it's it's uh, idiots. I mean, I'll speak. I'll speak it, my piece and I'll move it's on. Actually... I'll speak my piece and move on. I love Clevenger. I love Plesac. I think they're both great pitchers. I like Clevenger's kind of attitude towards the game and how he presents himself on Twitter and stuff like that. Um, but you can't be doing stuff like this. You can't. You can't. If you're going to talk the talk, you got to walk the walk. 
And if you're going to talk that we need to grow baseball and you need, and you want to be an ambassador for baseball and you want to be a guy that people like, I want to pitch like Mike Clevenger, I want to be Mike Clevenger, you can't be going out and doing stupid stuff and putting other people in danger. That's my piece. You, you cannot be the guy to ruin the season by doing something stupid. And it, I, I almost wouldn't even call it stupid because they knew what they were doing. It's just indescribably selfish. Yeah. That's what to, it comes to, down to. It's to go out, it's not even stupid. It's just selfish to put your teammates and your season and other team seasons at risk because you want to go out and have one night of fun. That's just, I don't get it. But um, I, I want the Indians to take charge and suspend Plesak and Clevenger for the rest of the season. If, and if they don't do it. I want the MLB to do it because you have got to, if it's not already clear, which apparently it wasn't before because they did it anyway, you've got to make it clear that this is serious and that that's not tolerated Uh, because that, mm -hmm. that it didn't end poorly, but it very well could have. And that could not only jeopardize their teammate seasons, but that could jeopardize the rest of or other team seasons too, and there's just no place for it. I don't see any reason why they need to take them out again this year. It's just beyond stupid. Um, I think okay, I agree with like pretty much everything you said except for the suspension for the full season. I, I yes, you have to establish that it's a serious offense, but okay. Here's my thing. I, I feel like there's a lot of peer pressure going on here because if you think that Clevenger and Blisak were the only ones on any team to be going out at whatsoever, yeah, you're kidding yourself. There are people who are selfish who will do this. And I it just seems well, wrong to me that only two people get caught and they get suspended for the full season when everyone else is getting off Well, that's free. too bad. You got caught. Stuff ha- stuff happens like that all the time. People, people get away with stuff and then other people get caught and get locked up. That's just the mm-hmm. way it goes. But if you, if you do the... Uh, you do the crime, you got to be able to do the time. And I, I think they knew it, – it's not like they didn't know it was stupid before they did it. They knew full well what they were doing. They're grown men, and they knew that there were potential consequences with their actions. Now, was it was the season-long suspension potentially staring them in the face when they did that? Was that told to them ahead of time? Probably not. Do I think that – do I think that will happen? Maybe not. Do I think it's an appropriate response? Absolutely. Uh, I, I know. I feel Oliver like they're Perez, not going to. Oliver Perez has already said he's going to opt out if they take them out again this year. I feel like that. Uh, oh, that's what I thought. How do you? How yeah, do you? I, say, I feel like. The, I feel how like do you the, face your teammates after something like? Well, they that? already did and got currently got berated. Yeah, they, as they should have. And they apologized. Okay, my, my thing is though. Sorry, sorry, I didn't cut it. Okay, but do you think they're going to do it again if they come back this season? Uh, do I think they're going to do it again? If they do it again, I don't even know what to tell you. Right. Yeah, okay, exactly. That's my point. I think the odds are very low that they're going to do it again. Yeah, I think they've learned a lesson. I would suspend them here, definitely. We are sus- but like a full season? We are suspending Go guys ahead, for eight games for throwing a curveball over somebody's head. Didn't even hit him. Well, that was ridiculous. So if we're, gonna, yeah. if we're going to do that, then these guys should be suspended for minimum half the season. Minimum. Half the season. These guys should get a total of four starts to combined for a season. At the bare minimum. Kick rocks, man. 
you put you put the you not only put yourself in danger, you put your teammates in danger, you put other teams in danger, and you could possibly put the league in danger. Miami did it earlier in the season. None of them got caught, which that sucks, but they got away with it essentially. Well, too bad you got caught. You're gonna be the, the I guess the example being used. Go kick rocks, man. Kick rocks. I think thirty games would be appropriate. And, and they, you know, you know what though, they weren't the first to do it. Like you said, do you think they're the only ones to do it? Probably not. But there was a heavy rumor that Miami did it, and we saw how that happened. And then they still did it after that. I, at, at absolute minimum, thirty games. I, I, I think can that, do thirty. I think 30 less than that is ridiculous. I would not. I'd be completely fine with the rest of the season. Brother, you are a grown and, man. How hard is it to get a PS4 and sit in your room? You're a PO. I understand the PO life's boring. You only have to play one out of every five days. I understand it can get slow, but if you're paying me millions of dollars to sit in a five-star hotel with a PS4 and I have to go pitch a baseball every now and again, I'm not complaining. I'm sorry. I'm really not complaining. Yeah, it's all the, the millions of dollars paycheck. The, I'm sure they're living pretty nicely still. Uh, they don't have much to do right now. All you got to do is relax. I can't do that right now. He's got a he's got a responsibility to his teammates. To, I, I don't know how you go in front. I know they already did, and they got ridiculed as they should have. But man, you think any of his teammates are gonna listen to a damn thing he says anymore? No. Holy crap! Bullshit. Yeah. Not at all. But uh, one interesting thing I did see, at least related to Clevenger, about this, he may also use lose a year of free agency. Um, because if the Indians were to if they're not officially suspended if the indian he's got options if the indians were to send him down for forget exactly how many days it was but about i think half of the remaining games something like that he would not hit the cutoff for making free agency in two or three years or whatever he was scheduled to hit it at he would have an extra year of team control extra year of arbitration hmm. yeah yikes all right yikes. I saw this thought floating so, around on a site. Oh, sorry. Finish your thought, Ryan. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. So I was going to say, so not only is this going to, how stupid it was in all of that, but he may cost himself a pretty penny, too, in the future because of all yeah. this. That's your point. And I, I won't feel the least bit bad. <laughs> yeah, he did it to himself. Yeah. Yeah. But um, the other thing I, I saw some on some site the other day, I forget where it was, um, it's kind of a wild thought throw out there, but what do you think about the possibility that either of them get traded no. because of this? No. no. Uh, traded because of this? No, because what team is going to say, oh, yeah, these are stand-up guys. We want them in the hopefully, clubhouse. Hopefully the Braves. That's a hard Hopefully sell. the Braves. With, <laughs> with Max nah. Freed and four double layers in the rotation, I will be happy to bring Mike and Zach in and teach them and help them grow as young men in the Braves rotation. I will be more than happy to do that. That I think that teams are might see the possibility that like, oh, we can get my discount because now everyone the Indians hits Indian eh, Indians hates them. I I do think this is something where I highly doubt normally that GMs would consult their players before making a roster move, but I think this is a situation where you probably have to consult your players ahead of time. Kind of like when uh, Gabe, I don't know if you're familiar with the whole D'Angelo Russell and Nick Young thing back uh, with the Lakers two or three years ago. Basically, Nick Young was doing some stuff on the side and D'Angelo Russell 
snitched him out to his fiance, and the whole team turned on Russell, and he ended up getting traded. And sounds like reality TV. Yeah, but I, I mean, that's something. The whole team turned on him. Nope, I'm sure a lot of people in the league lost trust with him, and like this is a situation where if you're GM and you're gonna make that move, you have to consult your clubhouse before you do it. Yeah, um, it's a mess. I don't think Cleveland trades him. I don't think uh, no, they're worth. I don't think so just kind of throwing around. But I guess for the last kind of big thing that happened this week, um, we have a hitting coach and a player getting into a brawl. Um, Alex Cintron and Ramon Laureano. Uh, Laureano was hit three times in two games prior to this. I guess the third, the third time he got hit was when it happened. Uh, basically, what happened? Laureano got hit again. wasn't exactly happy about it. He made statements that it wasn't because he didn't think he were hitting him intentionally, but. I'm sure it'd be annoying to get hit by your third pitch in two days. Um, I've, I've had it happen. It's beyond annoying. Um, basically, Cintron started barking at him down the baseline and was saying, according to Jeff Passan, saying some very vile things about Lariano's mother. Um, and basically, Lariano turned to him and just <laughs> basically, you want the smoke? And Cintron was like, yeah. And Lariano ran, and Cintron made sure that three or four players jumped in between and made no effort to get to the front to take a fight. Uh, uh, keep going. Keep no, going. that's what happened. Uh, and period. If you're going to fight somebody, you're going to push people out of the way to fight somebody. I'm sorry. Cintron, you're a big baby. You're a big baby. You're going to, inside a fight, you better stand your ground. You're not going to let four or five people jump in front of you. You are a baby. He wasn't He wasn't getting held back. He stood there flat-footed and watched three or four guys step in front of him. If you're going to inside a fight, take it. Take it. It's not It's not like he got held back by two teammates and then somebody else jumped in. He just stood that'd be there. Like, that'd be like challenging you to a fight and then pulling up with your four boys behind you. That's what that's like. It, it, it's garbage. Centron's a baby. I need to watch the clip again because that's – I just don't remember seeing it like that. I, 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 It looked like he was trying to get at him. And it looked like, okay, if I'm a player on the Astros, I'm not going to let my coach just like – I will. Get t- really? If my coach really? is saying things about another player's mother, yeah, go, go kick rocks. Hey, ignore, okay, ignore the fact that he was definitely in the wrong. I'm not – Central was definitely in the wrong. Cool, no he's doubt in the wrong. Here. That's why. If I'm but a player standing right next to, to him and I heard him saying uh, those things, yeah, sure. If – I'm still going to defend my coach, even if he's wrong in that case. Well, you're probably yeah, a better man I, than me. I, I, I mean, Loriano char- started charging him, and players stepped in, but it's at least the way I saw the clip, it looked like Centrone just stood there. Hey, I don't even know that he really moved forward. Like, Loriano charges him. Centrone's the one that was barking at him and talking smack and talking about his mom. Centrone should be going right back at him. If you, if you want but the smoke, take you the smoke. Just stand there and watch everybody take your fight for you. If you want the smoke, take the smoke, brother. But uh, apparently, I heard this on Starting Nine. Um, Dallas Braden wouldn't give us any any further context into it, but he had heard stories that Loreano was actually with Houston back in 2017 and prior to that, um, and there could possibly be some old beef between them in the minor leagues between Cintron and Loreano, which is. May where this have sparked at. Uh, he didn't get more into it, but there could there could possibly be some sprinkles of past beef in there as well. So overall, pretty crappy situation that a grown man as a coach is barking at another player and saying things about his mother while walking down the baseline. Yeah, just rewatched the clip. I kind of agree with you, Ryan. Yeah, he was definitely kind of 
he could did. he would if he was actually mad he would have made more yeah of i agree yeah he just he he started he picked the fight and then let his boys yeah. finish the fight for him yeah, yeah um Cintron sure. got 20 Thanks. games so that's good as he yep. should um, yep. yeah i mean lord if it's player to player that's one thing but if you're a, I, I feel like you got to be held to a higher standard if you're a coach picking a fight with a player yeah I, I thought 20 was a little generous to him. Yeah, well, of course. It's the Astros, man. It's it's Rob Manfred's baby. Uh, Loreano got six, appealed down to four. Uh, the appeal went through for the first time, I think, I can ever remember. Um, and if there's not a COVID situation going around right now, I, I would argue he should not be suspended at all, but he probably would have been anyway. Yeah. I, I, think, I think four is fair. Ultimately, Loreano, regardless of what was said, Loreano did charge at him, and He's the one that turned it physical. And to be I, fair, though, I'm fine, I'm fine with four games. I think you do kind of have to slap him on the wrist a little bit, but it's like you were justified, but we still have to punish you a little bit. If he hadn't charged, though, think about it this way: Cintron wouldn't have gotten suspended. So probably good thing. Here, here's the funny thing yeah. that I that I thought about this recently: these ballparks are empty, and you can hear everything. You know, dudes could be doing this all the time, and no one ever hear anyone because of crowd noise and everything. You can hear a pin drop in some of these stadiums when this when the built-in stadium isn't coming through. So Sintra may not said it that loud, and Loreano caught a little thing of it and just turned and said, "What'd you say?" And that's when just it all broke loose. But um, yeah, it's I I think Alex Sintron really showed kind of what the Astros culture has been the last couple of years. Just adds fuel to the flames. Between uh, Azuna yeah. beating women, uh, Guriel being a racist, now you got Sintron talking about another player's mother. Yeah. Quite, 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 yeah, stand up. Yeah, quite, quite a, quite a mess. Um, well, that's what happens when you put winning above culture. Yeah. Which, I mean, they have won. At what cost? At what cost? What did it cost you? Yeah. Everything. Okay, thank you. Everything except your piece of metal. Um, one last topic before we get into because that's what it is according to Manfred, yes. right? It's just yeah, it's just a piece of metal. That's all it means ever. But uh, one last topic before we get into our final topic of three stars. Young guys have really been up on the rise here. Um, I actually got a request to start with Casey Mize, so we're going to start there. Um, he's getting called up and making his debut Wednesday. I like Casey Mize. I think it's a stupid move on Detroit's part. Um, I don't know if Casey Mize is ready. Um, we've seen Kyle Wright get called up extremely fast in the same way Mize did. Obviously, Kyle Wright wasn't as touted as Mize, but kind of same, same scenario. Top pick that's getting moved along way too quick i would say in the organization and now getting called up um it's going to eat into service time risk injury in a 60 game season for the sake of what a couple starts uh again i think casey mize is a great player i think he has a long lasting future in the league but i think it's stupid for detroit yeah i don't really get it from detroit's perspective they're not making the playoffs this year uh and the amount of pitcher injuries that we have seen so far just make me really hesitant to do that especially he hasn't pitched above double a if, if there were minor leagues this year I, I i would agree with you i think it'd be stupid i i think they just want to give him some innings i don't think they're gonna throw yeah, that's, on. that's fair too yeah I, I think they just want to give him a few innings against actual players and the fact it happens to be major league hitters okay we've heard this before this argument before the difference between double a and major leagues is polish the guys in double a are supremely talented it's just a matter of getting it polished before they get to the big leagues so, yes, obviously there's a huge jump in talent level, but 
they they just want to get 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 them some yeah. outings. They just, and it doesn't hurt them. They're not going anywhere. Just get them some outings, get them some innings. And I'm frankly, my, my personal opinion, this is kind of, I don't know if this is um, ignorance of me not going through the system, but especially for pitchers who have the stuff like Mize does, I'm not sure if that extra minor league polish helps you a ton. If you have a 100 mile hour fastball, like, what are you going to gain in the minor leagues? Maybe a little better location, I guess. I don't know. Mental. Fortitude, I guess that's probably the biggest thing. Yeah, game. I think but. it's I think mental fortitude is what yeah. you're gonna gain from playing in AAA and the top minor league players because I don't I don't know about you guys, but when I watch the difference between a major league baseball player and I would even say a AAA baseball player is how well major league baseball players hit mistakes. A AAA baseball player may miss a mistake. I'm not seeing major league baseball players miss mistakes. You leave one over the plate, it's going for a double or a home run in today's baseball. Um, and as well yep. as two strike approaches, um, while we do while strikeout numbers may be up, there's a lot of tougher at bats. Those strikeouts are a lot tougher. Um, I'm not seeing many three pitch one two three year outs. Um, there's going to be a lot of close calls that you may get real frustrated with. I think what the Tigers are thinking is if if he has to learn on the job, like he needs to learn that mental fortitude. They're not since they're not going anywhere this year. It doesn't hurt them to throw them out, throw them out now, and have them learn it in the big leagues. Well, it, but, it it does. It hurts their service time. A certain, the service time. Uh, sure. They are starting his clock now instead of. I mean, he's going to hit now. If they're calling him up now, he's going to hit free agency a year earlier than if they're going to have one less season of team control than if they called him up in May next year. Sure, that's a good point. Yeah, that's that's the biggest thing for me. And that's that's the only thing out, outside of service time. I completely agree with you, but just the fact I don't know if it's worth starting his service time clock yep. now. Bingo! I totally forgot about that. <laughs> not gonna lie, right, that's the that's the yeah. big hang. The sixty game season, you're not going anywhere. I just don't know if it's worth starting it now, especially with just pitchers have gone down like crazy this year. Bingo! I completely agree. For a team that's out of it, it's not like we're talking about top prospect getting called and, up for the A's. And if they call him up. And he does get hurt. His clock's rolling the entire time he's hurt, too. Yeah, and on, on a flip note, I kind of feel the same way about Brady Singer, Spencer Howard, Alec Bohm. Yeah. Spencer Howard, I don't know about because he's he actually could be very helpful in the Phillies, and they're actually playing for something. Yeah. I like uh, Howard and Bohm, I get. Uh, Mize and Scooble. Singer. And not as much. Singer, not as much. I'm not a fan of starting guys' clocks early, especially in the 60-game yeah. season. If you can avoid starting a guy's clock in a 60-game season, then please do it. That's that's my biggest take on it. If, if Pearson, too, for the Jays, I... Well, like, how, I, how long is the clock? Five, six years for arbitration? Six. six. Yeah, I think the in six years, Phillies when I was going to be gone. I I think it was a smart move. Uh, Phillies, Phillies, Phillies yeah. I think, are a different situation. Yeah, Howard, Howard and Bohm coming up, I'm okay with. For the other team, like Toronto even, eh, especially uh, Kansas City and uh, Detroit, I just don't get it. They're not playing That's, anything yeah. for now. They're not playing for anything right now. Their window, they're going to have a better window in six years than they are right now. It just doesn't make sense to start it. And it sucks for those guys because I feel like Mize is ready. I mean, he could go out and put up as good a numbers as anybody in Detroit staff right now. He's arguably probably a top three pitcher in their organization right now and, and same with singer i mean he was good in his first couple starts hasn't has fallen off a little bit but i think he's putting up just as good of numbers as anybody else would in their staff but it's just not worth starting their service time now they've 
They, those guys are worth more to them in six years than they are right now on the major league roster. Yeah, especially if, if Mize is getting the comps that he's getting right now to names such as Corey Kluber, like prime Corey Kluber, because he's the exact same kind of pitcher. Um, if he's going to be yeah. ace level for a Detroit team that looks at minimum four years out of any kind of contention, then there's no there's no point to hit the start button and or risk any kind of injury in a season where you're doo-doo. Um, yeah, makes sense. More young guys. Luis Roberts looked amazing. He's yeah. look he's looking really good for the White Sox. Uh, he, he's living up to the hype right now, without a doubt. I didn't think he would, but hey, prove me wrong. I'm I'm here for getting proved wrong. Kyle. Kyle Lewis too. Yes, not quite as young. I think he's a rookie this year too. He's been outstanding for. Yeah, Seattle. Kyle Lewis. He's a guy that got drafted high. I think he got drafted fourth overall. Um, fourth overall. Yeah, just had a lot. Yeah, of they got they got hurt, mind. fell off the prospect board completely, and now he's back, crushing baseballs. Uh, good, good to see. Good to see. And I, I would almost—I I know this is his third year in the majors, but almost—I would almost throw Soto into that mix still too. He's—he's he's younger than Lewis, I think. Yep. Which is crazy to think about. But uh, speaking of the Nats, Luis Garcia got called up. I think yesterday, yesterday or today, hit a homer tonight. He's the first player born in the 2000s to homer in the major leagues. I was leagues. born in 1998. I'm officially old. I was born in '99. You know, it makes it, it's kind of that moment. Like, you used to be like, "What have I done with my life?" When you see guys younger than you <laughs> succeeding in the big leagues, like I saw. Um, so, goaltender for the Flyers currently in, in hockey, Carter Hart has been amazing, and I'm like really looked up to him. As like, he's been really good. And they showed his age. He's younger. He's like one month older than I am. It's like, oh my gosh, what have I done? Hey, with some my people life? are naturally. <laughs> right, wait, both of you are older than Juan Soto. Yes. Yep. Yes. Who has like you don't have to remind me. Sixty something career home runs. Yeah, already. you don't have to remind me. <laughs> I, it's just mm. crazy. It is. It is. I mean, I'm only like, I'm only three months younger. It is. Than guys you. are freaks of nature. There's naturally gifted. I mean, let let's put yeah. it like this: we grew up with guys who we thought were naturally gifted and freaks, and you know they went to the D1 level and then take that and like times it by ten, multiply it by ten. That's how good mm. these these dudes are. I mean, at some point, it's yeah. not what you've done. It's what you were born with. Like, Juan Soto came out of the womb hitting nukes. Yeah. You'll gotta work on it hard. Yeah, it takes oh, both. Yeah. But I could never work, yeah. if I, if, if for the, for 21 years, if I worked as hard as I possibly could, I would still not be better than Juan Soto. Not, not, yeah. not even close. What? Yeah. yeah. yeah I'm, I'm not gonna go down a tangent on that, Whew. but yeah, it, it takes hard work yep. and talent, but Talent will carry you farther in a vacuum than hard work mm-hmm. will carry you. Anyways, we're not going to get on the psychological talks. I can see Gabe suing up for a 30-minute psychological, yeah. logical lecture yeah, that I didn't need to hear. That. that I really didn't I'll need to hear. Yeah. How about this? How about this? Generally, I don't know if I agree with that, and I'll leave it at that. Does that sound good? Yeah, sure. Yep. Not gonna, I'm definitely okay. not going to argue on that. Um, But to wrap <laughs> this up, let's get into three stars, as always. Uh, guys that have really surprised you over the week. Um, my first star, it hasn't been over the week. It's kind of been over the week, but it's really been over the whole season. Um, Mike Soroka goes down for the Braves, and we're sitting here looking at Max Freed, who by Braves fans, everyone's saying he could be better than Mike Soroka before the season. No one really bought into it. Uh, Freed this season in five games start, he's 3-0 in 29 innings with a 1.24 ERA, which is second in the league to add on 28 Ks. 
he has stepped up for the Braves, unlike I, I even expected him to. The dude's a lefty, six foot four, six foot five, throwing ninety eight, touching ninety eight, throwing ninety four to ninety six, nasty curveball. He's been unbelievable. Um, probably my favorite pitcher to watch in the league right now. I mean, there's some bias in that, obviously, um, but the dude's been insane. Uh, star number two, Brendan Lau. Over the past seven days, he's hitting 448 with a 1500 OPS, 13 hits, four bombs. Just another name in the Rays lineup that he's not an all-star. We're not going to sit here and talk about him for 30 minutes, but he's he's producing just like everybody in the Rays lineup does. And my third star, we touched on him earlier, Jesse Winker. In 30, in 30 at-bats this season, he's been insane. But in the past seven days, he's hitting 650 with a 2,220 OPS. That includes 13 hits in five home runs. He is 13 for 20 in his past seven games. Solid. Yeah, that's that's all right. Okay. That's all right, you know. <laughs> Decent week. Uh, man, this gives me so much nostalgia doing three stars. It has been a minute. It has been. This is our first... This is our first proper three stars too. We uh, yeah. we we sat oh, through nine months of off season. What an untimely time! What a, what a terrible time to start a podcast. <laughs> content Jeez. content okay. runs dry. Got to sit here and talk about two thousand four like I honestly cared about it. <laughs> True. All right. Anyway, I'm I'm just glad we got to two thousand eight so we can talk about the Blazers World Series. But uh, my third star for this week. Um, I really wanted to highlight the Baltimore Orioles, how good their offense has been recently. It hasn't been just like one or two guys. It's been like their whole lineup has, as a team, produced, I think, was it, fifth most runs in baseball or something like that? It's crazy. I don't know. Something like that. But the guy I wanted to highlight is arguably the second best, no, as of right now, statistically, the second best catcher in baseball, Pedro Severino, who has a slash line of 333, 394, and 633. Uh, the OPS over 1,000 and a 176 OPS plus. The guy's been raking. So I just wanted to highlight someone in the Orioles who's really been producing because he's not going to get mentioned by the media. Let's be, no. let's be real. Uh, now to uh, one guy that's definitely going to be talked about by the media. I will guarantee that. Um, Mookie Betts, who has been so far living up to his contract. My goodness. He's leading the league in war, which is insane. Eight bombs, uh, OPS over 1,000. He's been amazing. Uh, note on Mookie Betts, so. he just tied the most games with three home runs in them of all time. Um, he sixth wow. game. Yeah, yeah with, with Sammy Sosa and somebody else. I can't remember the other person. Yes. He's only and he's only twenty seven. I did not know that. That's so actually really he's probably, interesting. He's probably gonna break that record. Yeah, fun fact of the day. So he's so he gets streaky for like one night at a time. Yeah. It's good to know. <laughs> uh, my top star for this week, um this one's definitely biased being a Phillies fan, but my favorite player in baseball right now, Aaron Nola, who all he's done the last three starts go 2-0 with a .86 ERA against the Yankees, Braves, and Mets. By the way, this is not like the Marlins, Orioles, and uh, Angels we're talking about here. Uh, 30 Ks in 21 innings, and yeah, he's been straight-up dominant. Justin will tell you if he watched the game. He pitched against the Braves, and he was downright. Yeah, dominant. it's it's pretty it's, it's pretty easy to pitch when you have a twelve run lead by the third. Uh, it was close for it a while. Was, no, 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 it was no, never, never close. That never game was never close. Never mind. But I told you actually, I think it was right after uh, Darno. Yeah. Darno hit a home run off in the second inning, but despite that, I, I told you, texted you that inning. I was like, he's got his good stuff tonight, and yeah, 
sure enough, after that, I think he went like six more innings and Braves really didn't yeah, scratch. Yeah, I think they checked, I think they checked out that game. <laughs> yeah. Like his curveball was moving. His changeup. Oh my gosh. His, okay. His changeup in the last two years has developed so freaking much. It, it is dirty now. Like it's close to his curveball. Oof. But yeah, just want to highlight Arnola because he's been fantastic. He's he's great. Uh, he's got the potential to be top ten, top ten easy, top five pitcher in baseball. I think he's top ten now. Oh yeah, he's no. easy top ten, especially with how he's pitched through the end of the year. Really, just Justin, maybe nine other guys better this than year or period. Right now, period. Nine guys. Hold on. Let me, let me uh, pull up. Let me pull up some names. Hold on. Better than Aaron Nolan. Mm. Let me see standings. Uh, Degrom Scherzer. Degrom Scherzer okay. definitely. Uh, Bueller. Nope. Ooh, out of Bueller's not been good this year. Wait, he said overall, not this year, bud. I'm still going. Nope. Uh, Charlie Morton, Garrett Cole, uh, Shane yeah. Bieber. I would still take Clevenger over yeah. him. Yeah. Justin Verlander, no. uh, Lance Lynn. Yeah. So we're at ten. That one's, I think they're borderline, but sure. Sure. There you go, I just named 10. Oh, I disagreed about half of them. But. Well, of course okay. you did, Phillies fan. Opinions. Opinions. No, Nola's very good. Yes, we'll leave it at that. All right, and then uh, rolling into my three, um, I guess we each uh, took a guy from our own team, so I'm going to go uh, Clint Frazier. He, I, it's killed me as a Yankees fan to see him kind of toil away in the minor leagues. I know. Some of that's been a little bit due to his antics and immaturity, things like unfollowing the team on Instagram when he got demoted, even though there's nowhere for him to play when everybody's healthy. I, I mean, I can't blame them for not giving him a shot. I don't know where you'd play him, but it's nice to see him finally getting some meaningful regular season ABs and playing well. I mean, small sample, but he's hitting over 500 right now. He's had a couple big home runs for the Yankees and, uh, I, I just want to see him play. I don't care if it's in New York or somewhere else, but dude's a legit major league bat, and that kills me to see him just toil away in the minors. And then uh, Juan Soto, 10 games back so far from COVID, hitting 425, six bombs, 14 RBIs, 13 runs in 10 games. He's he's reinvigorated that Nats offense because I was really worried about them without Soto, just how they were going to score runs. I'm, I, I'm and, still worried uh, about how they're going to score runs. Yeah, but I, having Soto back when he's hitting like oh that yeah, helps. you go from a Miami Marlins s lineup to at least a, at least a major league lineup. <laughs> I mean, I, I was just talking to a buddy yeah. the other day who's a Nats fan, and he sent me their starting lineup to a game, and it with Trey Turner, Juan Soto, okay, good and great, um, Abstrubel Carrera, Kurt Suzuki third, yeah third, uh, Kurt Suzuki yeah. fourth, Carter Keboom fifth, who if we're not if we're not using his major league the show future stars card. Isn't good. Um, and then it was like uh, Victor Robles, Michael A. Taylor, and somebody else. It was a bad lineup. It was, a, yeah. but no, Juan Soto does improve yeah. that lineup by tenfold. Absolutely ridiculous. And then uh, another guy we highlighted earlier a bit, Lance Lynn, and he he's gotten better his last two years in Texas, but this looks like a completely different guy this year he's turned it on to another level uh his last outing complete game two hitter we hardly ever see complete games in this day and age of baseball it, it almost feels rare now uh to see that uh 111 era on the year five starts leads the majors in era 
Um, and in a short season, him and Shane Beaver, he's put himself right in the middle of the Cy Young conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's... Yeah, there's only been six pitchers that have a complete game so far this year. Just fun yeah. fact. All right, final thoughts? All right. Yeah. Not really. All right, great. Thank you. All right. Um, thank you guys for tuning in, and we will catch you next time.